Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam, this is Hugh. Hello. And we have Holly back with us. Hey. Hey. Um, we're here to discuss news and politics. Yeah. This week, we are going to take a look at the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Armando Iannucci written and produced comedy... Uh, about the inner workings of a government department, the fictional Department of Social Affairs and Citizenship. It ran for four seasons and two specials from 2005 to 2012, as well as releasing a spin-off uh, in the loop dealing with the lead-up to the war in Iraq. Uh, portray- it portrayed a poisonous environment of media management and spin, and of course you've all seen it. And massive, massive bullying. Yeah. Massive, massive bullying. So we, we all kind of took a look at it. I had watched the whole thing quite recently, mm. like uh, maybe before, before Christmas, but I went back and revisited a few episodes that I remembered. And mm. but well, like why, we, why are we doing it? We're doing it because there's two things that have happened. Mm-hmm. There's the independent group mm-hmm. and all their finery being literal um, characters from, <laughs> from the thick of it. Um, and also this... Notion. One of the things that I wanted to talk about was the notion of all this bullying that Jeremy Corbyn has invented. That yeah. there was no bullying in the Labour Party until Jeremy Corbyn. Um, <laughs> Alistair somehow. Campbell was a collective hallucination. <laughs> there was so little bullying that they created a satirical series mm-hmm. to exaggerate the amount of bullying. Well, Armando Inucci, he was a very good writer and he could see the writing on the wall. <laughs> he was just predicting what would happen <laughs> if perhaps at that point no-name backbench MP Jeremy Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party. <laughs> well, that's weird, because he's actually come out and said since, um, there were a lot of interviews in 2016 with the mm-hmm. election of Trump um, about the questions that raised for his like American version of his series, mm-hmm. uh, Veep, mm-hmm. and for like the rise of Jeremy Corbyn also posed questions about whether the thick of it would come back now that the dynamic of politics has changed. Yeah. As to, with Brexit as well, there's two different offerings on on the table, mm-hmm. um, and he became he was a Lib Dem voter in two thousand and ten. He's been a Lib Dem voter for a long um, time. Yeah, he was, and then he start whenever he appeared in uh, the media, he struck a quite kind of depressed tone mm-hmm. about the the mm. the way that he felt politics was going, and yeah. he actually said like um, uh, people write to him suggest the return of the thick of it every time something. Uh, in quotes, stupid happens uh, uh, involving politics and politicians. And he said, no, absolutely not. I now find the political landscape so alien and awful that it's hard to match the waves of cynicism it transmits on its own. Fiction is winning out because fact is no longer making sense. Which is, like, it's ironic. Like, the function of satire usually is to exaggerate and maybe bring out truths that aren't already known. Hmm. And, like, you can see that with... Chris Morris's output, like a compar- like a comparative satire, you can mm. see that Chris Morris is kind of taking the news media, taking their tropes, uh, exaggerating them just enough, but keeping like the simulacra very like, like keeping all the aesthetics very similar. Yeah. The goal of that presumably is to actually go it is for for you the viewer to kind of look at that, take it away with you, and begin to question the kind of things that you are mm. seeing in like the real news media. Mm-hmm. With the thick of it, it's a bit different because. He is presumably exaggerating, but the thick of it in like liberal political discourse in Britain has kind of taken the role of this is real, this is mm. absolutely this is just it was that from the get go a fiction like as soon as it started people they started talk they all like the first because the first series I don't remember the first season doing that well 
Uh, I looked up the audience figures and actually, I mean, it was on BBC Four yes. for a start, and it was like a hundred thousand viewers. Yeah. I don't think it ever got up to like a million viewers until season four. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It but um, huge, I know it's like the people that supported it were were the kind were upper middle class media types and political people. Yeah, because they said it was real. Yeah, that's, that's the what they liked. It was completely true. So even I can understand Armando Nucci now kind of looking back on what he's done and going, I was able to do it then because it, I mean, essentially he's saying in that quote that it was like, it was a better time, right? I couldn't satisfy oh, yeah. now. Hmm. And therefore I was taking reality and like, you know, lifting it and shifting it kind of thing. But I mean, some of the decisions, not just in the writing, but just in the filmmaking, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the handheld cameras all of the time, everything yeah. about the style of filmmaking is, I mean, it's selling itself as an utterly real piece. Yeah. Like it's yeah and they and they're his decisions too. I mean they're not always a writer's decision, but he was also the director and the exec producer, so mm-hmm. they were his decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I just think there's something almost a bit like what made it well actually I think what made it very good was how real it was. Mm-hmm. Um but to kind of look back on it now and be like, oh no, <laughs> um that wasn't realistic and I couldn't, you know, that, yeah, I couldn't do the same now. Just I don't know, strikes me as like well, it he- was, that was the whole thing. I think he just, you know, regrets it a little bit. I don't. What well, I don't know if he. Do, I think he doesn't understand how how politics works now, because he's a fuppy. He's like the rest of them. Well, I mean, in he's the, like any other liberal I mean, who doesn't the, actually the, understand why people would like like Corbyn's policies. He's one of those people who doesn't think he thinks people seem to like Corbyn and not his policies. You know, he's one of those magic grandpa type types. Yeah, because he when he actually started the the show, he was. He was doing it as a reaction to New Labour and mm. how mm. in his like in kind of paraphrasing his words that lies became truth and mm. all that mm. kind of thing. I mean, it's he must have started writing in what two thousand three, two thousand four. Mm. So in the aftermath of kind of dossiers and the Iraq mm. War mm. and and things like that. Um, but it's it's I mean, obviously, like it takes quite a lot of cues from the office in the way that it's filmed. Mm. Um, but it's it's way more masochistic. Mm. You're talking about the bullying mm-hmm. in it. Mm. That, I mean, obviously, it's it's tight. It's well written. It's mm. it is funny. Mm. That's I don't mm. think that's necessarily like that's not in doubt. But like, even in the way that like they do the filmmaking, something they do that I didn't really notice in the office. So you know when that they're only ever in massive rooms that dwarf them. Or really small rooms that they don't. Yeah. That, that seem to just be constricting. They are always like falling over each mm. other and getting very close in on each other and everything. It's mm. it's a it's a weird like style of filmmaking to go along with the fact that they are just constantly, constantly fighting each other. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? It's weird. Is it worth like just rewinding a little bit and then going series by series? You know, like I think because I think there's something interesting about the kind of political TV we had before the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there was definitely, I'd say, like, from the 60s, definitely 60s to the 80s, actually, our political TV was quite earnest. Well, there's a reverence like, to it that, that the thick of it doesn't have. That mm-hmm. it, I think the yeah. thick of it is one of the, probably the... Well, actually, there's, like, um, what's it? The New Statesman. Um, yeah. That yeah, was, like, very real. much, like, politicians mm-hmm. are shit. Mm. That was specifically this Tory issue. But I mean, that was that was right at the end of yeah. the Thatcher period when mm. the Tories were getting just rampantly decadent. Yeah, yeah. About their but in general, it's quite reverent, even with like um like the original House of Cards. 
you know, he's evil, but he's like quite good at it. <laughs> he's good at it. Yeah. He's good at being evil. I mean, Whereas you can in say the thick of it, Malcolm too. Well, mind you, Malcolm. No, but, don't, no, but Malcolm isn't a politician. Yeah, true. All the politicians yeah. are terrible. Yeah, in the thick yeah. Of it. And Malcolm is. He's not really good at his job. He's like juggling plates constantly mm. and just screaming at people until he gets his way. Mm. I just think there's something about... That's interesting with um, House of Cards. It might be worth looking at that specifically. But I kind of think there was like this 60s to 80s, mostly drama rather than comedy, but this thing with like our British dramas where they were always... They were almost always heroes in there as well as baddies. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There was like... They, they were people you could so really I don't know. Yes, Minster didn't. I mean, it's been like the the comparison, like with Yes Minister, is probably the closest. Mm. But like Yes Minister has a, like it 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 presents its politicians with problems and then like satirizes what get in the way because like you're setting up a political program of like things in the real world are bad. You don't mm. like politicians. Politicians say that they want the best for you or they want to change mm. something. That's always the reason they give for getting into politics. Mm. Um, so somewhere in the middle, in that satire, you have to address what the blockage is. Mm. Now in Yes Minister, it's the civil service. Mm. And Anthony Jay, who... It was Anthony Jay, I think. Who was a, a real like real neoliberal. Mm. Introduces mm. stuff like public choice theory into that. So mm. you watch it, every single one of the like common sense solutions that Jim Hacker is, is blocked yeah. in is like... Oh, uh, give people um, budgets for like gas, yeah, like gas heating, mm-hmm. or you know, um, uh, more public-private partnerships. No, not those ones. Those mm. ones are shit. Like, yeah, mm. those kind of things. So, although it presents blockages, it gives you a way out. Mm. The thick of it gives you absolutely no. nothing. Like, there's a there's a bit in um, I think it's series four with Peter Mannion, the mm. Tory MP who takes Ken over Clark. as like the yeah the, the Ken Clark analog. Who takes over from um, like uh, Nicola uh, Nicola Murray? Murray. <clears throat> who takes over from Nicola Murray as the minister, and he needs to go and sell this thing called Silicon Playgrounds, which yeah, yeah. is giving money to school kids who develop apps, or not no. quite giving money. It's putting money into their university. Yeah, it's the Lib Dem. It's his Lib Dem partners' policy, and it's such mm-hmm. a Lib Dem policy because it's you don't get any money you get a reduction of your tuition fee when you go to university. Which you suddenly have to pay. But the interesting thing about it is Peter Mannion doesn't understand it, mm-hmm. doesn't want to promote it, mm-hmm. does so, and completely destroys it, even though he's trying not to. Mm. Like, it's a horrible... Like, there's a whole mess of horrible mm. contradictions in all of their actions. Like, early on... Like, you're just talking about going through the series. Like, the, mm. they are way more obviously Labour and Tory mm. than they ever they ever mention. Mm. And with all the Labour politicians, there is a sense that there is something they wanted to do. And even with Malcolm, there's a sense at the back of all of it, Malcolm Tucker, that he wants to do something and this is the way you get it done. Because he's firmly focused on, like, an end. When he says he doesn't know what the end is, there's like a, a yeah. speech that he makes to Ollie about like, what do you want? Do you want what we can offer you here? Or do you want to go and work for some think tank and just mm. be like, hmm, maybe this, maybe this? And you can, and it's quite a nice thing because you can see in Ollie's <laughs> face, he's like, I mean, the think tank, obviously. I'd really like the think tank. <laughs> like, can I leave now? But then he's like, 
obviously Ollie lies and it's kind of like, oh no, I want this, I want this. And then he goes, what is this? What is this? And he's like, yeah. this is, this is, and there's this big bit where Malcolm kind of falls apart and he goes, well, you know, this is the thing, this is winging at <clears> the thing. And <throat> so, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe way back in the past, Malcolm believed in a thing, but I think it was so far they, in the they past. Do, they do the thing, like in season one, the, pol- the main policy I remember is they do the, there's a the snooper squad. Oh, yeah, the, the which is so new labour. Mm. Like, I mean, that was the thing. Just that, like means testing, snooping, bollocks. I looked at like the policies that they introduced. Mm. The first episode is the Scrounger Squad one. Mm. The there was one on um, increased arts funding mm-hmm. for um, young offenders, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the big one that always jumps out to me is that there's a big scandal with Hugh, the original mm. minister, in the first season, whereby he has to give up his second home. Yeah. yeah. Because they've got this thing like, and they don't actually elucidate it, but it's empty homes initiatives of basically stripping second homes from people. When the fuck did New Labour ever get <laughs> anywhere near I a policy it was like, like that? I thought it was just a slight <clears throat> fine on New on the. And I think it was just a policy that was coming through, but they didn't get through. I think it was he looked bad. I think it was his responsibility to put it to put it into place. Yeah. And he had a second flat. Yeah. 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 Mm. But um. And then I can't remember any of the ones in second series. Maybe maybe Chris Langham was pushing to have mm. them like low age of consent mm. <laughs> before he was asked to leave. <laughs> well, it, it's there's a, there is a procession because early on they are at like say what you want about those policies, they are actually policies. They are actually something like whether they're giving money to uh, young offenders mm-hmm. to do arts mm-hmm. education or they're taking money away. Mm-hmm. Those are concrete policy positions. They're making decisions. The, the second yeah. season, they go way more into we're desperately trying to avoid you looking terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then by the third season, it's just firefighting all the time. And mm-hmm. when they bring in Nicola Murray, mm-hmm. right towards the end of New Labour, we're talking like the Gordon Brown era, mm-hmm. they've got the um, fourth sector pathfinding stuff, oh. which is... The kind of precursor to me, it seems like the precursor of the big society. Mm. It's letting, in fact, no, because charity is charity the third sector. Charity is fourth sector. Is it? What's the third sector? Because it's public, private, then third sector is. I don't know. I anyway, don't know, it might be made up. But yeah, but okay. um, it's it's that kind of stuff. It's the the we really don't have any ideas. Can you do it for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, there's a bit in season four with the silicon pathway, the silicon school thing, uh, the silicon silicon playground, silicon playground yeah. and it's one of the Tory aides, and he's just like they say, um, the bloke who's like the American who's the British guy who's now in America doing some stuff with Trump, who was the big society. Guy. Oh, um, so in this program, he's called Stuart Pearson, but yeah, in him, real yeah. life, it's it's Steve Hilton. That's it, yeah. Which I just saw today. Him, he's got a program on Fox News mm. talking about um, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez's Green Bill as a no child policy. Wow. She had said something like. Wow. I can understand why in this era of climate change people don't want to have kids. And he said, this is incredibly scary from this ideology. They're talking about a no-child policy. So that's where Stuart Pearson ended up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and he's, he's like, they're talking about the, the silicon playground, and he's like, oh, it could work for all kinds of things. Silicon hospitals, silicon prisons. And then this Tory A just starts saying like things like silicon lamp, <laughs> silicon car. And that's like, they, they, it's, it, they do very much go like, full-on big society coalition mm. nightmare hellscape in the fourth season. They, they don't do anything apart from bicker. Mm. I think the lack of ideology, I'd argue, is there throughout. 
Oh yeah, like, all the right, way through. Right yeah. from the get go. All the way through. Like that first ever episode when they are going to do the snooper policy. There's never really any mention of why. Of why they might want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe that's kind of what I was getting at in terms of that kind of shift of like, Mm. we did have TV programs where there might be a character who had a sense of why they were doing the thing they were doing. And Yes Minister was definitely along that road, but the writers of Yes Minister, that was their point. Yeah, yeah, it was a way of sneaking in disgusting views. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of curious. It's like, if you look at like, I don't know, Boys from the Black stuff, like, whatever Bleasdale went on to do afterwards with Boys and the Black stuff, his point was to highlight suffering mm. in Thatcher's Britain. Yeah. He wanted people to see that suffering mm-hmm. and understand what was going on and perhaps have a different view of people who were suffering and not judge them or mm. blame them, which was what was common then, but to actually understand them and empathise with them. So mm. that was kind of where he was coming from. Um, and then, then you've got something like Yes Minister when it's coming from a place where actually its aim, its intent was to tell us that government doesn't work. Mm. Like it wanted to do it in a funny way, but the writers wanted us to leave with that idea. And it's like, essentially, I guess my thing is, did, well, did Armando Iannucci want us to become apathetic? Yes. Because I think no. we did, mm. but did he intend that? I, I think th- every message constantly throughout that TV series tells us no one cares <clears throat> about anyone th- or anything. I think... Everyone's selfish and self-serving. They're or all... powerless. Or powerless or weak. No one ever makes a brave decision. Mm. Ever. They will always choose... All of them will choose the weak decision. Malcolm Tucker becomes the hero. Yes. So much so that he then got cast as Doctor Who. Yeah. Which I think is a mm. separate thing to unpick. <laughs> but I think says something. That mm. really says something. He think... so much becomes the hero of the piece that he then became an actual hero in a family show yeah. for the family. That's <laughs> weird. I think Armando Inucci, like a lot of people like him, didn't believe in a single thing. And barely. Mm. And I don't think he really genuinely started to believe in things until. We left. We voted to leave the EU. I think he did. I think he. I don't think he because all the way through there is a distinct lack of ideology through the mm. whole thing. There isn't a single belief structure apart mm. from that. There's like a desperate clinging to power and mm. kind of jockeying, and that, that that's how he portrays the political class mm. as like this. Which the reason why everyone took it on board as true is because it's it is true. The vast yeah. majority of them are, are like that. It's why he can't write like for all my problems with him. He can't write someone like Corbyn. He can't write. He couldn't. There's no way he could write John McDonnell. Mm. Mm. Like um, there was a thing I saw on Twitter today of um, when John McDonnell was a student, um, and in the library, um, creating an Irish section and moving books from the English section to the Irish section. So moving Joyce out of the English section because he's in fucking English and putting him in the Irish section because that's where he should be. <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah, but no, <laughs> yeah. a moment like could, that would I'm never a, be in the thick of it. That's no, too... because politicians aren't like that. Politicians really? are craven people, desperate yeah. for power. Or think, incompetent and mm. just liking the money. I think yeah, no one's doing anything in his universe for anything other than self-serving reasons. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's that's necessarily true yeah. in the thick of it. I think it is. Who there. does something that's it's, nice in the thick of it? No, has but, anyone does anything? Um, does something it's, other than it's bully? Not, I mean, obviously, the intent of it is to say that this environment does not in, like does not allow 
that kind of thing. But like he has an idea, like he has an ideology. It's oh, he does. It's a Lib Dem ideology. Yeah, that's why I mean a, it's, it's got no, it's a, got no it's ideology. It's a deep, deep liberal hegemony. Mm. Like there are norms, and the only reason now why it seems so apparent, mm. and this is true of a lot of liberal commentators, mm. the only reason now why they seem out of step is because the assumptions that they've made about form mm. and about uh, norms mm -hmm. have come under threat, mm -hmm. and largely it's because they that they instinctually understand mm. that they're under threat that they seem so so panicked and so mm. rabid they've had an ideology all along it was just happened to be the thing that was going along mm. and about like the characters in the thick of it the characters in the thick of it it's not obvious but they do have like if hugh was if hugh abbott the mm. first minister mm. who's like seems to be the person the series was designed for mm -hmm. before you know all of his nancy stuff Mm. Uh, thingy's Nazi stuff. His leaflets. Um, yeah. Um, was he researching a book? Was he, he was. Uh, no, <laughs> no. He said he no, was I mean abused not, as a child. Uh, what's his yeah. name? Chris Langham. Yeah, he was. Um, it was abused as a child, and he said he was. Using he had a lot of excuses for being a pedophile, but oh yeah, he's a pedophile. Yeah. Hey. Um, he seems constantly defeated and disappointed. Now, if he didn't have an ideology, mm. he would just go along with it. Now, Dan Miller. The bright, shining new Labour knight who is or probably David Miliband a lot more than Ed mm. Miliband. Mm -hmm. um, he really doesn't have an idea. He's never upset. Mm. Oh, no. He's never upset by anything they have to do. Mm. Um, Ollie Reader oh, it's a monster. Um, is the absolute monster mm. of that piece because he's never, he never gets disappointed. He gets disappointed by the fact that they pick up an idea that isn't his. He mm. never gets disappointed by any of the ideas. Mm. Glenn Cullen, who's the other advisor, who's Hugh's friend, mm. he is constantly disappointed. There's a whole episode about um, taking kids from SEN schools, mm. special education schools, and putting them into, into mainstream schools. Mm. And... Um, Glenn's son is has had special needs and Hugh's known him for years mm -hmm. and he is at a, a select committee and he tells a story of seeing his son perform on the trombone or something mm -hmm. and he said it was rubbish that's why we need to put them in mainstream schools now that was a story that he told Glenn earlier that really it was a memory that stayed with him mm -hmm. like there he Iannucci's clearly trying to portray that generation of Labour politician as remembering something about what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. They have been so beaten mm. by Thatcherism. They have been so beaten down and so disappointed. Hugh must, the character, must have been around for the 92 mm. election. He must have mm. seen Kinnock be ahead in every single poll. Mm. Thatcher being as unpopular as it's possible to be as a politician and then still lose. Mm. They've just been convinced that the means they have to go by are Malcolm. They have mm. to go through Malcolm. Mm. You know, Malcolm's another one. He's like, there's a watching it again. Like I was looking out for it particularly. Malcolm Tucker has a couple of lines where he talks about. Um, there's one where he's meeting a so-called people's champion mm. at the Labour Party conference, and he says, "Can I take a picture with you?" And he mumbles something that's like, um, "Oh, it's kind of a thing of mine. You know, I, I take pictures of, of important people I've met. You know, meeting with Mandela and stuff." Mm. He also has a go at Ollie Reader for being homophobic and saying, I was fighting for gay rights before you were in nappies. And that presumably puts him in the 80s fight for gay rights. So Malcolm has a radical background. That being said, Malcolm has proven time oh, uh, and time again yeah, is absolutely. a massive liar. 
he's also he's not, he's, he's he's not reliable. Like, why, he lies all the time. Why, why mention it? Well, the the Mandela thing, I, I don't know, but he's um, being disingenuous. He's yeah. using it as a as a platform to attack. I think he'd attack Ollie for being homophobic people. and say things like, "I was fighting for gay rights while you were a child, just to put him down." That's the kind of thing that Malcolm would do. Also, I don't he's think, massively I don't homophobic. Like... Mm. Yes, yeah, also that many is the other thing. Yeah, horrifically yeah. homophobic things that come yeah. out. I mean, mm. mostly again when you look at like going back to that kind of bullying culture thing, mm. a lot of those bullying statements are really, really homophobic. Their yeah. main way of They're putting people down. Rapey ones. Home, yeah, homophobic and rapey, but their main way they put down women constantly. Um, yeah. And obviously it's kind of part of the joke that they're always like, you know, they don't like Terry because she's a civil servant and she's a woman. But all of the jokes about her are like, there's a very definite misogynist skew to them. And all of their jokes to each other when they're insulting each other, it is full on homophobia joking. Mm. The biggest insult you can like Malcolm or any of them can give each other is to talk about fucking each other. It's like you massive gay shite. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. Stuff, um, yeah. Minting is used constantly yes. as a word, mm-hmm. like over and over again. Um, yeah, definitely it just think that's like no Malcolm Tucker is definitely mm-hmm. I don't know I just he's think snatching on to say he wants I'm not I'm not snatching <laughs> I'm not was, snatching was, I'm giving I think, clues I think if we are giving clues as to what he is because he is a, a mold, there is a stereotype of that stuff yeah at some point Tony Blair marched for something no specifically he didn't yeah um but did Alistair Campbell no <laughs> That's the thing. None of them. Don't think right? you could say like. I um, think but I think it's no. That. Actually, no. I think it's actually believable. Um, I think it's believable that Alice, that, um, that Armando Iannucci thinks that Labour politicians of that age believed in something at some point, whereas mm. I don't. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think the vast majority of them really didn't because they wouldn't have been in Blair's cabinet. Um, because like a lot of the ones that were that did actually believe in something didn't go into Blair's cabinet. Mm. Mm. I don't know you took a, like your Robin Cooks and even Gordon Brown. Gordon Brown had way. Yes, he did. Don't look at me like that. He had. He was. <laughs> I've read his book on uh, against Thatcherism. Uh, tell me about and his opinion of his. It's own okay. Yeah, it's, it's Benite, but it's they or they they had managed to convince themselves that that was the way. Maybe some of them took I less don't think convincing. They took, I, don't think convincing. They, I don't think they took any of them any that much convincing that they'd like to be rich. I think in <laughs> really? terms, though, of like what you're putting out into the world hmm. when you make your TV show, I would definitely argue that the moments of Malcolm Tucker revealing any sense of caring about anything hmm. are so slight of course, yeah. that that's not matter. actually what you absorb watching it. Sure, that definitely. I had to, you watch, this is like the third time like, yeah. and I only caught it the last time yeah. I watched it. Definitely. So I'd say, yeah, in terms of like what you're absorbing about the world, what the TV show is kind of like seeping into your <laughs> subconscious, because I think that's what it does. Hmm. I, mean, like, I think to a degree all, all stories do that. It does, yeah. We talked about um, it on the police... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think what's seeping in is is someone who doesn't really care about anything. He does care about winning, and he's mm. good at winning. Mm. And ultimately, because because narrative desires a structure, and it desires you to root for someone. Like, mm-hmm. it just yeah. does. There's something yeah. about storytelling and the narrative form that means whatever happens, we will end up rooting for someone. Yeah. So storytellers, even if they want to give us a world where we don't root for anyone because they're all monsters, it just happens. Yeah. It's like you can't resist. the structure of a narrative so what happens in the thick of it because there is that desire there's this thing there's this pull what ends up happening without anyone else to have that with it becomes Malcolm Mm -hmm. yes yeah and so we end up rooting for Malcolm to win Mm -hmm. because there's no one else to root for 
And then something really, really weird happens in terms of like, then you've got people watching it going, oh yeah, the most important thing is winning. Why are we winning? Oh, I don't really know, but we mm. definitely need to win. And Malcolm did become, he became a hero. Mm. He's the character people yeah. remember. He is gift everywhere. There are quotes of his. You go on the Wikipedia, all of the quotes, I mean, there are other quotes, but the first ones you'll get will be Malcolm Tucker quotes. It's like, ultimately that's what became heroic. And yeah, I don't really, I don't really have a final point with that, except that it's no, it's interesting, and that's what ends up happening. The, it doesn't matter what Armando Lucci's initial intent of what his series was, because actually, it does, a lot of the time, it doesn't really like a writer can have what they intend to put out there, but depending on how it's executed, it could be taken mm. very differently. And the thing that's taken from it is that Malcolm is, if not good, then. He's the best at mm, politics definitely. and how it should be. I think yeah. there's an element of as well. Um, it, made, it made people not want to vote. It, he's, there's, mm. a, there's, a, there's a whole thing of Malcolm as well that he's one of the few of them that does... Oh, I know, obviously, this is moot because he's at the top as, mm. it, as it pertains, but he's one of the few who doesn't actually appear to be in it for himself. He constantly retreats to the background, mm. I am not the story, mm. all that kind of thing. Um... His home life has obviously suffered. Mm. He says at the end, I will be the one with no glory, no mem- no memoirs and no children. Mm-hmm. Um, he constantly talks about how the job has taken everything he has. Like, I think he can still be like an ideologue, mm. but for new labour. He's also- genuinely convinced and passionately um, attached to that new labour project. Um, but even then, like the you know, there'll be no. I won't have any memoirs or anything like that. Mm. That's Amanda Ricci knew that was bollocks as well because Alistair Campbell has so many fucking bullshit. Yeah, and he's everywhere. <laughs> but I mean, it, 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 although he, true, is, yeah. he has been weirdly absent in all this talk of labour bullying. No, I yeah. think weirdly absent because, like, I imagine, like, if like all the press know that if he appears on TV for a second, the spell will be broken. And everyone go, hang on a minute, this isn't true. <laughs> this isn't true at all. Before. I'm sure this. <laughs> We've made a TV series about bullying yeah. because you were such a famous bully. Um, I think what happened was through the process of making the thick of it. Malcolm became the hero, not just to the audience, but to the creators. Oh, so yeah, then like, they yeah. ended up giving him speeches like that. It was yeah, like definitely. something happened yeah, along the it's way. A, like, it's a Sopranos, like, Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah the, it happens a um, lot. Um, the time travel cop show with the racist. Life on Mars. Yeah, it's like that. Mm. Yeah. So we've compared it to Yes Minister. That's the most mm-hmm. obvious British example. Yeah. How do you think it ha- uh, holds up to the other kind of modern liberal political fable well, um, which is the West Wing yeah they've, like both, the been, they've both been done for years they've both been finished for a long time now yeah um, and they're both roughly around, they're both telling this a story about the same kind mm. of time periods well the West yeah. Wing does yeah. covers the Iraq War this is set um, the West Wing um, the, uh, the, um, the thick of it's set after the Iraq War yeah um, well not after the Iraq War has happened it's after it's been after it's what is going on yeah yeah um, and yeah, it's quite painfully obvious how each country has taken their respective political <laughs> program, their liberal canon. Yeah, because both follow the inner workings of government, mm-hmm. right? And essentially, and also yeah. both not only follow the politicians, but the message. Mm. The, the aides and the. the yeah, the, the aides. Message, and yeah. then, yes, you've got the people. So you've got your kind of Toby and the West Wing. Mm. It's very different character. <laughs> 
from well, Malcolm. Like I literally. Well, Toby isn't the Malcolm. It's um the thingy. It's, it's, it's Leo is his Mal- is the Malcolm, the chief of staff. Mm. Um, he's yeah, the one. But also but one of the things that's fun of crafting the message. Whereas Leo's job writer. is like he's a speechwriter. Yeah. But the thing, the um, whereas Malcolm is just a heavy. Mm. That's the thing. Is like it's the attack dog. Yeah. Whereas um, one of the first big differences. And it says a lot about the difference between British and American politics, and especially um, the kind of like Politico's opinions on how it works. In America, it's very focused on the president. The president mm. is a character. He walks around. He talks. He has feelings mm. and actions and wants and needs. In the thick of it, you never see the, pre- the prime minister. Mm. Prime minister doesn't matter no. because mm. all that matters is generally the kind of wave. Yeah. Like the push of the whole group. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, because it's it's meaningless. Like the yeah. They are kind of different. They they're. They're different in quite a lot of ways. The West Wing has a lot more focus on actual policy and the method mm-hmm. of implementing that. So there's a lot of talk about votes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about persuasion. Yeah. Um, there, whereas the like, they both have similar kind of ways of communicating things to you. So it's a lot of two people either walking or in a room talking at each other. Mm-hmm. There is an important difference in how they portray power being exerted in the west wing it's always through persuasion mm. like they will be mm. having an argument there will be two irreconcilable mm. sides and then one side will see out will look out the window and see a white man picking up rubbish and a black man <laughs> getting out of a limousine and then realizing that maybe racism's not so simple after all <laughs> but it is that kind of thing like yeah. no but then then they'll turn back from the window and look back at the room of people, and they will make a speech with an amazing, like, heartfelt soundtrack behind them, yeah. and that will be the thing that wins the argument, and it's, like, happens so much that I just yeah. kind of want to carry the West Wing soundtrack with me for all script meetings, so uh-huh. when I really want to make my point, because I swear, when that music kicks in, you've won. Yeah, but the thing is, the what have you won? You've won tax credits. Yeah, well, they are, they are very. If one working, working like, tax credits, I wasn't saying that can be that redeemed the for good. one of the major messages <laughs> in at the end of like the the Martin Sheen being yeah. in the West Wing is Toby trying to craft a social security reduction package. Yeah, it fucking sucks. It's yeah. so bad. Mm-hmm. There's an episode, and maybe this is where it does have similarities with the thick of it. There's an episode of the West Wing where the big thing they are fighting for, the huge thing they are fighting for, and it seems like such a big deal to them is like Bartlett gets like a letter from a guy who has like basically bankrupting himself, paying his daughter's university tuition. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he says to Bartlett is, could he get a tax reduction on the money that goes on his daughter's tuition? So it's yeah. not that you would ever not pay tuition. That would no, be that's ridiculous. Insane. That's insane. But it was maybe because you're paying so much in tuition, you could get 3% lower tax bill yeah. because you're a parent paying tuition. <laughs> and they get that eventually, and it is huge. Mm-hmm. And the music kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's an inspiring moment, and you know the lighting's really the lighting is very different between the thick of it and the West Wing. The lighting yeah. happens, and everything swells up, and then Josh and Donna they have a look. It's beautiful, <laughs> <laughs> but the actual thing is nothing. Yeah, and that's what they have in common. Like one's made really hopeful, and it's using every cinematic tool at its disposal to like ramp up. It's your telling emotions. you to be happy about. It's telling your... you to be happy. It's telling you when to be sad. It's like ramping it all up. The other one is using no tool. It's just a small room with like people squashed in a small room with bad lighting, kicking chairs around, and shouting. Mm. 
But, but it's okay because the digital workhouse bill that the Lib Dems had come up with fails anyway. Yeah, well, but essentially, yeah, both at the heart of them, despite these huge differences, have no ideas. There's there's limits. There's like the limits on politics are way more apparent in the thick of it. In mm. that, like he like there, it focuses on a minister. Mm. Mm. And the minister basically says, I have absolutely no power and all I do, I'm wheeled out when I'm asked to do something that I really don't want to do. Mm -hmm. The the West Wing still has the kind of hope of Mm -hmm. doing something, but it's still operating in very strict but unspoken limits. The ideology is all there. Like how many times they said, we can't afford that, Mr. President. Mm -hmm. The deficit. But they um, remind you that he's a PA, he's um he's a he's oh, a God. he's a Nobel Prize winning yeah. economist. He is the <laughs> president. Yeah, but the best lot. thing is the best thing about but it. But he's no, also down to no, earth no. and folksy. No, well, yeah, because he went to a public school and is a Catholic. <laughs> but um. The thing is, when, like, oh god, it's even like it's so fucking pathetic the West Wing because even down to when he won the Nobel Prize for Economics, it was a it was a year where two people won. One, a liberal economist like him, a Keynesian, Jesus. and the other one was a, was like a hard right Japanese economist. Hell. Oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> because he's the one who comes to see him and tells him, "China is after your debt." <laughs> but um, how oh, right he was! <laughs> he's it's so terrible. But the thing, like the, the what it's done. What it well, re- mm. actually, I don't think it's what it's done, it's reinforced, mm. and it, the way it's affected America, like the West Wing has, is it's because it did all the, the right music and the right lights, and it gave you this notion that these people are fighting for something that's mm. good, um, even though they, the message is always the what they're actually fighting for is either nothing or it's kind of fuzzed. Mm. Um, you've got a whole section of American political shouters who believe that. And they put on these weird notions of goodness onto candidates that they don't have, but they like they like to imagine that they're like Bartlett. Like you see it all the time, it's like, oh, if only we had a President Bartlett. Or they mm. like to think that there is like a, a Toby being all great behind the scenes with Kamala Harris. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I wonder if mm. it's like that I don't I don't like overstating the differences between like British and American kind of political discourses because quite often it gets into this kind of weird like English pride that their uh their 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 norms and their discourses are so much more sophisticated and they're really not. No, I don't like, think cultural don't... imperialism has fucking done its job. No, yeah, I don't I don't think um the, the the difference is is that I think that um... I think there's more of an implicit history in the like the British um, thing there is there is a sense that it is a downward arc it is a post like subconsciously so much british um drama and stuff like that is post imperial yeah it takes into account these like narratives of decline and that things will never mm. get any better and at its mm-hmm. best it can be almost like a tragedy like the mm. thick of it is a tragedy mm. because i do actually think inuchi allows just enough of what they should be doing in this void outside of what they're actually doing to to kind of portray it as almost like a fall from a fall from grace mm. it's 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 nonsense i don't think it's worked like that at all but that's a very common mm. like no, trope I, in I think, in that kind of british satire i think a nice way of summing up like the main difference between american politic political discourse and british political discourse is like which side of the bell curve are they on mm. and yeah. it's like their America is on the way up. They're believing in hope mm. that things can change. And the British one is like, no. And I don't know if you've noticed American culture generally recently. 
West Wing was uh, mm. 20 years ago. Mm. I'm just saying, like, American mm. culture has, ca has caught up with post-imperial malaise mm. yeah. in, like, yeah. quite an a, a astonishing way. Mm. Um, but there's, um, there is, like, that thing, like, there's a lot of, like, well, you know, like, the whole Obama thing was so much of it was based on hope mm. and, like, nebulous ideas of, of goodness, mm. um, which is something that the West Wing really puts forward. Mm. Mm. Um, whereas British political, like British stuff with regards to like how parties are supposed to work and stuff, is so much based on kind of rash, like the no the notion of rational mm. thought and who's the sensible, grown up, intelligent person. Like this, um, James O'Brien goes on about it a lot. He talks about um how Jeremy Corbyn isn't smart. Yeah, yeah. Talks about how he lacks the intellectual tools to do anything. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um. And didn't read Ulysses, etc., etc. Yeah. That kind of shit. Um, and that's the kind of thing that, that the British commentators sort of put about, that the notion that Labour... Well, that the left is not smart enough, that it's not mm. sensible enough, it's not good enough with its budget. They always, you know, they spend all their money in the first week of the month mm. and then they're all poor for the rest of the month. And they do all this. This kind of notion that, you know, they need to grow up a bit mm. and be more likely in the thick mm. of it. And that's, but to be honest, that's, it's not new for the left to be subjected to that. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. It is new for like established political figures to be mm -hmm. subject to that. Britain has mm -hmm. the elite aristocratic history mm -hmm. within politics. Um, the Tory party is never, is never said to be too smart no. or too dumb. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have that. Like America has a more moral, moralistic way of, and ultimately probably Protestant. Mm -hmm. way of judging the worth of a human being. Mm -hmm. It's one of the failures of Iannucci's thing because like if he went into this whole thing with the idea that he was going to somehow change people's minds, he absolutely didn't. He reinforced mm. what they already thought. Definitely. The West Wing at the least, I've got significant problems with it, but at the least was an attempt to challenge a a a, a view of politicians as uh Essentially and by definition, corrupt and, and venal. Mm. Oh yeah, and out it felt it felt like it was, it was almost mm. like um, it was swimming against the tide. Well, it was almost mm. as if it was almost as if it was the paid for by the Democratic mm. Party because of the Clinton 100%. scandal. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. it felt like it could have been paid for like that. Definitely, whereas the Labour yeah. Party, like there's that weird thing. Like I imagine, like in government, they were a bit annoyed at the portrayal of themselves in the thick of it. But yeah. deep down, they were like, yeah, we are kind of cool and we are kind of like manly and we shout at each other all all the time. Yeah. Like, it was the ironic mm. thing that like. If, if you're talking about this is an, a peek at the inner workings they're mm. inner workings because they're supposed to be hidden mm -hmm. you're never supposed mm. to see them but if the idea of the thick of it was that he was going to raise the veil and let you look inside a lot of people looked inside saw a horrible a horrible soul grinding situation <laughs> yeah. and didn't want to leave mm. and that's kind of where we were going with like the independent group and, and mm. things like that mm. they looked inside and didn't want to leave it's so weird. It's like, so strange because there is there's something there's something really strange about that because I think there's like a whole for a whole lot of us we looked at that and we desperately wanted something different. Yeah, mm -hmm. and which we may did have win. been his original intent. I don't know. I don't know. He said that, but he said how much that, we... but then equally he yeah. like couldn't be more upset about Corbyn. In some ways, it kind anyone. of works. Like, some people voted Lib Dem. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but do you remember two thousand and ten? 
Nick Clegg going mm. on those fucking debates and calling everyone by their first name. That's essentially it. Mm. Um, but there was Works a tiny, tiny little hope. Uh, that didn't work on me. Um, the, did it? They, Nick no, Clegg's down, yeah. down folksy charm. His folksy charm. I was convinced <laughs> that this man who'd spent all of his life working for the EU <laughs> knew exactly. I think exactly people like bullies if it's your bully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it's what the, um, it is. That's why people the, like Malcolm the, and he became Doctor Who. I think there's a whole load of people now like who were like, yes, I mean, but Malcolm got the job done. Mm, okay. It was better. There weren't any silly is opinions it, or feelings getting in the way, in the, in the thick of it, because, you know, Malcolm shouted at people and he threw some homophobic and misogynist abuse at them and then shit got done. I think, I think that's what's happening now. I think people are looking back on it. The same way, actually, like... I look back on the West Wing with rose-tinted glasses like I remember watching that and not really questioning it mm. because I just had a baby and <laughs> like literally <laughs> I was like I'm very tired right now this is a beautiful world I hope Josh and Donna get together like it was a much more pleasant it's... experience than watching the thick of it a few years later and yeah. feeling very depressed mm. so I have like a nos- but I also I look back on it but I also know that it is fake. It was fake. Yeah, yeah. It, I, and maybe that's something as well with the filming style. It's like, I guess, I don't know, maybe in America there is a thing where people kind of feel like there was a lot of truth to that, but it was still constructed. They used TV tools to tell a story. Yes. But there's almost something about the thick of it, which it is, it's presenting itself as real. Mm. It's not using the soundtrack or any of those things. So it's presenting itself as real. And then people look back on it and go, yeah, it was real and it was better. And let's have that reality back. So they're not looking back on it going, you know, that was a TV show I once yeah. watched. They're looking back on it like this magical period in history mm that we should go back to and if only we can find the right bully and then you've got people like James O'Brien getting very angry because Jeremy Corbyn isn't a good enough bully at the same time whilst calling him a bully Mm -hmm. which makes your brain want to explode Um, it's the um, I could say something about like fascists always portraying their enemies as inherently weak but also unbelievably strong but you know Mm. I wouldn't dare imply that liberals act like fascists (laughs) that would you know it'd be like if they had camps in Libya torturing people who just wanted to come in um but I was to say, like, the thing with, like, Malcolm and why then he became Doctor Who, um, it, sure, it's all well with the, you, you sleep safely at night because, you know, there's rough mm. men doing, protecting you. Doing bad work in your name kind of thing. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I, I want to say it's, like, Roosevelt somewhere No, like it's that. Orwell. It's definitely Orwell, yeah? Uh, yeah. Um, but can, I can pause it. Can and Google. Look, um, <laughs> oh, that's a weird one. Um, generally um, attributed to George Orwell in 1950, but it looks like it was just made up by a, a film critic in America, um, a film, a Washington Times film critic in 1993. Jesus, because it's in Call of Duty, um, isn't yes, it? Yes, people sleep peacefully in their beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. Um, and But about shouting in small rooms, that's why they love Malcolm. There's an interesting point about that, that in that entire show about politics, they never actually show any of the inherent political violence. <laughs> they never show the state. No, no. A mm. weird kind of comfort blanket that a lot of that um, to and froing gets to have yeah. is the fact that they essentially have an unquestioned British state behind it. Yeah. There's there's a few mentions of police, mm. um, you know, mentions of the army, of the civil service, of things like that, mm-hmm. of, of those 
that British state power that we all know and love and the, the secrecy and the its ability to, you know, something happens and they hold an inquiry 30 years after it's happened and they wait just long enough for everybody to die <laughs> so that they don't have to pay out any money. That's indicative of a very powerful state and yet that's an entire programme about... Mm. I mean, obviously, they are functionaries of the state by mm. that point, mm. but there's very little mention of, of that. It all seems kind of chaotic. And I think the fact that it's hidden mm. does say something about how they wanted to to kind of portray politics, mm. you know? Mm. There's... Um, I'm pr- it's... They want to go back to it because... Because of the same reason why Armando Inucci can't write it again now. Mm. Because it's what they understand. Is mm. Okay, so I was going to ask this question, right? Like... Obviously, the independent group are centrists. We associate the thick of it with centrism. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because it's all kind of new Labour, but then when you do have the coalition come in, it's the same. same. Um, And then the Tory that you have is obviously Ken Clark. Well, even right down to to the end of season four, there's the whole thing with the guy who kills himself. And whose fault is it? It's the fault of each of the three parties. Each of the three parties have something to do with that nurse killing mm. himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the e- everyone, ultimate part, the, it's, yeah. everyone is guilty because they're all the same. At, mm. so, at some point, you realise that the policies that they're proposing, like the the specific one, is like selling off key worker housing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and he's a nurse. He's a nurse, isn't he? I yeah, he's a nurse that lost his job because they like they someone leaks the information about his mental illness, his history of mental illness, um, and then he becomes homeless. It's all horrible. But at some point, with all the the kind of policies back and f- like the policy toing and froing, you realise that it literally doesn't matter that mm. the Conservative Party introduced that. Now there is, there was a sp- a specific difference between the way New Labour ran things and the mm-hmm. way the Tories mm-hmm. ran things. Definitely. There was a difference, but the way thick of it, the thick of it portrays it, it does blame all the parties equally. But I think that does bury where the actual policy decision came from, which was mm. that it kind of suggests that New Labour would have introduced that policy. Mm. And I can believe that, but ultimately they didn't. Mm. They didn't do those austerity things. They did give money to the NHS through the prism of a, admittedly, like oh, a, yeah. a private framework. Mm. And like, it simultaneously tars them all with the same brush and buries the fact that the Tories specifically did this and mm. they were the ones who you know, caused mm. 120,000 austerity deaths. Well, yeah, but of course, you know? of course, because mm. he's a, because he's a, because he's a liberal, of course he'd do, <laughs> he'd um, obfuscate for the Tories and give them all the best lines. Um, because that's the point of a liberal. Um, he does have all the best lines too. He does. Ken Clark. But yeah, it's, um, they, I mean, they, that's, there's no point giving the character a name, it's Ken Clark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, it is, it's, they want, they want that. They want that mm. back. They want that back again. Like, um, I bet you, like Chucker, Anna Subri definitely sees herself as kind of like one of those people. Mm. Um, I don't imagine like Angela Smith has seen it. Um, <laughs> I think she's too busy like just guzzling small children's water, <laughs> just like smashing glasses at people's hands. But that was a that was a like environment where people like Angela Smith could thrive. Oh yeah, I didn't. I never heard of her links to privatized water before, like mm. the Corbyn. Era. And no. presumably yeah. she has had that link for oh, a while. Yeah. She's on the long, committee. Long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the first time I remember hearing it is because there was the first talks of nationalising it and then she wrote that article <laughs> saying about how we'll be the dirty man of Europe. <laughs> if you dare to dream, <laughs> you'll all die of cholera. Keep looking to the stars, Andrew. <laughs> What's weird is that kind of 
functioning in that way and maybe that does make the thick of it kind of fascinating because mm. it's like wow you're all functioning and like I mean they're all monsters but to be fair to them they're all quite stressed they will obviously work long hours none of them are happy mm -hmm. like yeah. none of them are really getting anything good out of this they're no. miserable as hell all the time so it's like but it's weird because it's like so the only reason for doing that for putting yourself through that if you don't care about anyone which none of them are portrayed as caring about anyone or anything mm -hmm. is for your own and for personal gain it just there's something really weird about it. it's just so much effort and misery for personal gain but people still do it like I I can kind of see with Jeremy Corbyn that he does believe in something because he's putting up with so much shit and why the hell would you when you could have a much easier life on the back benches yeah they were, they were but I also I equally I don't properly understand in my heart why why do they stay why do the people in the centre put themselves through it? Because they can't be happy. It, why? What do you get out of power? I think like <laughs> when you well, got it, <laughs> Angela Smith. No, well, I mean that. But like that's a lot of money. That's a lot, uh, a lot, yeah. a lot of money. Like that's like absurd amounts of money. Um, what's her name? Joan Ryan, who's got like two houses in London and four, mm. so four beds for a one-bedroom flat. You know, there's a lot of money to be made to from this really easy job. Important. It's such an easy job as well. If you want to, mm. like, being an MP is as hard as you want it to be. Mm. You can you can be like a really on the ball MP, do loads of work, and be knackered all the time. Or you can phone it in and never turn up to anything, and then when you're about to get deselected, leave because of bullying. I mean, remember and that coffee. like the whole, <laughs> not to name anyone specifically, but and coffee. The whole the whole thing of um, Hugh Abbott being tired in the first series. Mm. That's because he's a minister, and that was a tactic. Yeah. By mm. the kind of communications department that was all then being run through like Blair's. Mm. Uh, it was called like the Number Ten Communications mm. Unit or something. Mm. That whole thing like is portrayed as it's designed to keep him from ever collecting his thoughts and rebellion. It's a disciplinary mm. tool. As much as anything, yeah, it's, yeah, it really to is. Keep him yeah, um, and there's also that kind of neoliberal idea that sneaks in that the ones who thrive under that, they're it's kind of like making diamonds out of yeah. pressure. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, oh look, you managed to survive on the, no sleep. Yeah, you're amazing. Real, in reality, we threw all this crap at you, and you still cope. Whereas, oh it's, you know, it's, in reality, you end up, you know, being a, becoming a sociopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite accurate the way they do it because, like, there's a bit of like. Because they are such horrible people. Like, you get this... Hugh and Glenn are, like, old friends. They are old friends. And there's this... I think... I can't remember where it is. I think it might be the start of season two. Where um, Hugh has fucked up. And Glenn has fucked up too. And Ollie's at the number 10 communications thing. And he um, has... To, Malcolm wants, them to, wants him to throw them both under the bus. So he throws them under the bus. Glenn comes off as looking worse. Hugh phones... Ollie to say thank you for making it put it all on Glenn yeah. rather than me. Yeah. Because they're all craven, disgusting well, individuals. I mean, talk about night <laughs> talking about nineteen eighty four, like that's the do it to Julia. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like I am under such psychological stress mm. and pressure. Mm. Mm -hmm. I actually was gonna say, like, I actually don't think like Glenn's a fool, mm -hmm. but I don't think Glenn is a monster. Oh no, no, he's not he's not portrayed as until a he joins the Lib Dems. Mm. And also you notice that's like further like argument for, for Malcolm being a, a true believer, hmm. he likes Glenn up until the point where he defects. He's yeah. always like at the he's he's mean to him, 
but he always has a certain respect for him mm. right up to a point where he joins the Lib Dems it's like you are fucking dead mm-hmm. to me to everybody mm-hmm. that kind of thing like Glenn has Glenn's more rounded he has a mm. son he has he talks yeah, about his mother he's more he talks about that kind of thing complex you know? character mm. whereas Ollie I, we haven't talked very much about Ollie specifically mm. Ollie is by far the worst character in that show bar none mm-hmm. Bar none of them. I mean, do you mean as a human or, or as, as a character? As, as a, a human, human being. Oh, no, as, as a, a character, he's... He's really well he's, observed. He's really, really well done. But, no, he is... He literally does... He will do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's very much portrayed as he is the new breed coming Definitely. in. Definitely. Is it ever said that he's privately educated? It's kind of implied. I think it's implied of all of them, pretty much. Like, he's, mm. fr- he's meant to be from Lincolnshire, but yeah. he's obviously middle class of some stripe probably upper middle class and like Lincolnshire is mostly kind of you know fields and fens and farms and posh mm. rich villages mm. um, you know around kind of Grimsby and mm. Lincoln which are kind of poorer um, more kind of ex-industrial um, I mean you assume that he must have some contacts because he's not smart enough to get that job yeah. otherwise yeah. I mean, he's, he's not clever he also finds complete common ground with the Emma the girlfriend mm. who works for the Conservatives yeah. Yeah. and there's absolutely no question that they can get on no. there's oh, no, no clash even as like fellow politicos mm. being on the opposite sides that's literally the only thing that separates them mm. they swap policies yep. they like talk to each other it really is just a, like a, a, mm. a football team mm. kind of thing it's literally a different colour mm. even that doesn't matter by the end yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously he then takes over from Malcolm at the end mm. of the series and becomes Ed Miliband's or David. Mm. David Miliband. It's it's as if David Miliband had gotten elected instead of yeah, Ed yeah, because that's yeah. the kind of setup they do at the end when they yeah. get rid of yeah. colour. Yeah. yeah, and he's like another like Dan Miller. Yeah, he's another coddled. He's mm. very coddled. He gets the benefit of the doubt throughout it because he's considered the heir to Blair, mm. and that's a Chuck Ramuna trait if ever I've mm. seen it. Mm. Like. Totally has is always given the benefit of the mm. doubt because he's the next he's the British Obama, mm-hmm. and it's like never examine any of the things he said, never examine any of the mm. flip flops, just go with it because that's the environment that we live in. Except that's also not the environment for better and for worse. The thick of it environment, the oh. hyper the like the hyper media thing that is all funneled through specific newspapers. That doesn't exist anymore. No, they mm. mention Twitter a bit, mm. but that's not the media mm. landscape anymore. There's far more kind of interaction on social media mm. than there is a line that has to be given to the papers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like um, you get. It's not just that it's 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 out of date. It's bad. It's out of date because it's out of date. Yeah, it really has changed. Oh yeah, mm. it's massively changed. There's like there's scenes with Malcolm shouting at um, TV producers as they're mm. editing the news. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you just don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, I think they could get doesn't away with that, a you know, simple the phone call. Are, yeah, there is that. But also, it doesn't help. It doesn't, you know, harm them that you know most of the BBC's political team are all Tories. Well, yeah, and actually, I mean, arguably, I don't know what it was like then, but you could argue that that's more the way it's done. Yeah. But you don't need to go and shout at someone the way Malcolm goes and screams at the guy at ITN because actually the person who has the job at ITN is kind of already on side and you already know that because you went to school with him. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, so you're never in a position mm. where you would have to do something as extreme in that way. Mm. 
Well, it's something that the Noam Chomsky, yeah, the Chomsky thing. Mm. Of, um, yeah. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't have this job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, they are portrayed as uh, as interchangeable as well. I, I there are a few jokes about like um, the Independent or the Mail or the Guardian, mm. but they are the same people. You yeah, could yeah. Inter- you could change the names on the script mm. of the way that they mention those papers, and they would be the same yeah. people. Mm. Yeah, there's no like they don't even talk about like oh we can't give this to the Mail they will savage us about immigration, whereas the Guardian will mm. I don't know reward us or say something mm. something good. Mm. There's there's none yeah, of that. That's a really weird feature of Thick of It. Mm. Really yeah, weird. yeah, it is, definitely. Mm. Okay, so I was thinking about this today and I was wondering about with the independent group, like with all the characters and that, I'm going to call them characters because they're not real Whew, people. Fully fleshed out <laughs> human <laughs> beings, each <laughs> one of them. Each more human than the last. Holly, are you calling the independent group NPCs? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, I'll my stop. wife's learned a lot of terms from HM. <laughs> <laughs> She's always on there. All the time. It's amazing I get anything done. Um, so yeah, okay, people. So so those people, hmm. like which which thick of a character are they most like? Hmm. Uh, okay, well Chucker Amuna. I think he's Dan Miller. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think he wants to be Dan Miller. I think he would want to be. He's got, <laughs> but I mean, in the series, Dan Miller never ends up with any baggage, even though in real life he obviously would have. Chucker has loads of baggage, but mm. he thinks he doesn't, which is why oh, he, he must know. He must know deep. Watch it. That's the thing. He has such easy time in the press. Yeah. That yeah. It's like the thing about the elite dating site, so he wouldn't have to mingle with scum. Yeah. It should be brought up all the time yeah, because it's not. that would be, you know, it's a vote winner if you're a Tory. But surely that that would affect your chances in Stratum. Surely. Except no one talks about it. He does no. have the easiest time because... Yeah, we'll see what happens. He has a local we'll vote see what, in Stratum as well. Yeah, we'll Obviously, see what happens in the next we'll election. Though. Now, we'll see, how many, uh, see how, how, on how many leaflets his bullshit is on. Hey, listen, London London MP... Like, they don't, London people don't care about whether you're Labour or Conservative, but I'm sure he'll get plenty of They votes. just care if you remain or leave. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, Dan Miller, like, he's not great at all. Like, no, he no, doesn't he really believe... He's not particularly... He doesn't believe in anything. He's also not particularly good at anything, really. No. Mm. He just maybe has a just enough wherewithal to make the odd move at the right time. He's well slippery. Towards mm-hmm. it, you he get more really of him slippery, towards the end. Yeah. He's really slippery. Early on, he's just, like... He's almost gormless. Mm. When he first... Because he first comes in, I want to say, in, like, the first or second series. First series, I think. And yeah. then he quits because of the yes. thing Hugh says. Mm. So Hugh says a thing about, like, if I'd really wanted to be successful, I should have, like, quit a year ago and then I could come back to a yeah. better job now. Yeah. And then he goes... Oh. Yeah, and he quits before him. <laughs> and then he quits, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Actually, Which but, does show he's actually, like... Because um, I think that Dan that Miller... Piece. Yeah, he's David Miliband. And so, mm. like, if Dan Miller was around now, he'd be where David Miliband is. But Chuck Ramuna is the cargo cult mm. David Miliband. Yeah. yeah. Dan Miller. Well, actually, yeah, it's more the cargo cult Dan Miller in that, yeah, he's tried to be a copy of a f- copy for copy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's become this horrible thing where he's not... He didn't, like, quit at the right time. No, 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 he didn't. He no, left it too late. He didn't really make. He left it too yeah. late. Left it too late for it Brexit. Yeah, he's so and did. And too early for a general election. The only yeah. thing that could possibly help the independent group now is if it does, if Brexit does get kicked down for like two years. Yeah. <laughs> if that happens, the podcast ends. We're not doing it anymore. Yeah. 
if we become a wrestling podcast because I, I will I wouldn't be able to take it. I just wouldn't. <laughs> I'll be able just to. keep talking about TV shows instead of Brexit. That yeah. seems like a good way of dealing with it. We'll talk about you know um, Fraggle I'll Rock as it relates week. to yes, the, yes. the trials and tribulations of the independent group. I really want to do a Fraggle Rock episode. That's a brilliant idea. But, um, <laughs> like I was thinking, like yeah. of like because there's not a lot of MPs. Or ministers in the thick of it. No. It tends to be mostly at, yeah, like, civil yeah, servants. Right. Aides. Yeah. There's a few civil servants, but it's it's mm. PR people. Mm. Um, so like most of them are certain archetypes. Mm. I think. Mm. What would they be doing? What would they be doing now? Because I I don't think any of them, weirdly enough, would be dumb enough to have joined the independent group. No. In any in any capacity. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. Maybe Ollie. Um, but hmm. but like Glenn, I could see what ha- would happen with Glenn. So like yeah. he had a terrible time with the coalition government, and then he pins all of his hopes on the you know the rising star of the Liberal Democrats, Tim Farron, and then <laughs> he quits everything and disappears into nothingness after Tim Farron won't stop being a homophobe. I went back and forth on Glenn because I think he's one of the more interesting characters. Mm. He would either be Blue Labour Lexiter, or which I think is more likely, died in the wall, fubby maniac. Oh, God. Yeah. He would have Bryn... No, that's it. Glenn Not doesn't one. work in politics anymore. He works at a car dealership like um, Bryn Phillips and he cuts up his card very publicly <laughs> on camera. That man, if he's a fubby, has not one but two foam cowboy hats with the EU flag on it. <laughs> you know, that kind of one. Very t-shirty, flag, cape. We've talked about... That fubby. We've guy. talked about who gives money to Madalena Kay. Oh, yes. he definitely Glenn. does. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, um, he's seen her perform a number of times. She made him cry. <laughs> like, where do you think Malcolm is? Do you think he goes for the, the TIG? Um, he gets ticked off. Um, yeah, he's been arrested for. I do crimes. <laughs> because I think that Malcolm can't stop manoeuvring, mm-hmm. so he would latch on to. I mean, he'd probably already have left. So I think yeah. that he probably would have been instrumental in the background. He would have like nudged them all together. He would have arranged meetings. He would have convinced them it was they should do it and they should get on with it. When they almost chickened out, he would have leaked it to the press to make sure it definitely happened. And then now oh, that I it's all falling apart, he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. <laughs> and they're all like having that, like when they were in Nando's, like I reckon yeah. Malcolm was supposed to be there, that's, that's, but he never showed. That's Malcolm out of touch. That's Malcolm because yeah, exactly. he does get more. Fr- yeah. As the series goes on, he gets more and more myopic and more, yeah. more frantic, mm. and he because makes he's not bad in control calls, anymore. Yeah, and he gets out of touch. Yeah, but he still wants to be the guy who's at the center of everything. And I, I still think like, if you consider Tig as just a, I hate the fact that that's the kind of shorthand for that. Um, Tig, oh, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you view Tig as a way of disciplining the Labour Party to try and bring them back to the right. Mm. I think that's definitely like a Malcolm manoeuvre. Mm. He still ultimately wants, is concerned with the future of the Labour Party. Yeah, definitely. But he sees that as his way of bringing them back to quote unquote sanity. Yeah. You know, yeah. bringing them back to, to yeah, new Labour. Yeah. I could see him briefing the press on um, how much of a political heavyweight Mike Gapes is. Lying for his yeah, teeth the entire time. He actually time. does that so many times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, you could see him doing it with yeah. that Mike yeah. Gates. Yeah, like, oh, what you Definitely. don't know about Mike is. <laughs> yeah. 
Because I had like an idea about, I was thinking about it today, I had Malcolm as like, I don't know why, I considered him like, he'd be fubpy, he'd be mm. moderate, but he would be an like kind of like Alistair Campbell is now, but more more Tatchley, more Peter Tatchley. I don't think he'd be as Where he would latch on to causes and try and be more direct, so he would like go and try and, I don't know, arrest Mugabe in an airport or something. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't see him you know, printing t-shirts. He'd attack the regressive like left. Mm. Oh yeah, he would talk that kind of. He thing. would, but I think I still think he'd do it in a background manipulative way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, think sure. he'd do anything as um as out, as um as obvious as trying to arrest Mugabe. He'd get someone else seen. to do it. Yeah, like yeah. He'd maneuver someone else into a position where they do. Hugh is like still that. in prison for child sex offences. <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon. I reckon the MP Hugh would have had some kind of. Uh, sexual harassment. Let's say sexual harassment charge. He would have come out and become and like done something like convert to Catholicism. They do actually mention that in the show. They say, Oh, I couldn't believe so and so gave up the Colombian marching powder and found the sacraments. Hmm. Reflecting that very, very odd thing where MPs have very particular end up in very particular mm. religious views that aren't really what you would call mainstream. I'm mm. thinking of let, Tony Blair. Yeah. Mm. Who converted to Catholicism. But I think Hugh, he would have converted to Catholicism after he came out of prison, and then he'd definitely be blue labour. He'd be one of those weirdos who say, like, we need to restore five prayer times. He would have um That's the way of uniting the nation. What would have happened is Do you think he'd as... be really upset right now about how Songs of Praise has been moved from yes. like Sunday night to Sunday yeah. lunchtime? Constantly going on about the Christ- the Judeo Christian underpinnings yeah. of British society. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Although I could see him, you know, the allegations start to swirl around. It looks like he's gonna get um suspended from the party and then he quits to make a principled stand against bullying and racism in the party. And then gets to be on the news a lot, but he's screwing oh, up. Were, yeah, no, that's what they've all done. <laughs> yeah. I think Nicola series three. Nicola, what's her name? Yeah. What's her Nicola name? Murray. Nicola Murray. I think she she definitely would have quit quite recently. Ooh, and got, cited bullying. I'm 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 gonna I'm have gonna you got a big, I'm gonna disappoint you there. Okay, go on. Nicola Murray would be in Corbyn's cabinet. One hundred percent. I don't okay. know why this whole thing is. Yeah. A, it's a. It's a feeling. Do you think she would have? She would have just. Yeah. I think gone she with would the have... tide. I mean, she does always go with the tide. Yeah. Right. Um, she has elements of Diane Abbott about her with the schools thing, the private yeah. schools. Not just because a kid. No, that's um, no. She doesn't. No, don't, I mean, no, 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 no. But I mean, like, if you're talking about what like the... Nicola Murray, definitely doesn't care about. Oh no, 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 anything. definitely. No, she doesn't. She, does, she doesn't though. seem to have any idea. Like she just that it never comes out exactly what she's for. She's always she is always mm. flailing. Like, like yeah, you said. but she's never for yeah, the only thing like she's that. ever for. No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I was going to say. Okay. Um, if you think uh, like Di- like the school thing was taken from Diane Abbott, but yeah. if you think of like an Emily Thornberry, mm-hmm. um, like yeah. She's. I Although mean, I could when, never when is Nicola Murray Nic- meant to be elected? Because she's like a. She's new I think Labour. She's an interim leader, like um, like I mean, Harriet Harman was. She definitely mm, is. But like, I mean, was. when did she come into politics? Like, it's oh, never, yeah. it's never said. But mm. if you're going to stereotype them, she comes in, let's say 2007. Mm. Do you think she comes in in the middle of Blair? She doesn't have she doesn't have any particular like labor background. Maybe like they all have like labor students, and then yeah. she worked for a trade union or the Department of Education or something. Yeah. She was a solicitor. 
Was she, was she actually a solicitor? No, I just really pictured Yeah, okay. <laughs> so many It just makes a lot of sense in my head. But I think she would have been brought into the cabinet as a balancing act, as like mm. a, an appeasement to the Labour right. Mm. Even though she's never portrayed as particularly Labour right. Oh, she's portrayed as as gormless as the rest of um, the Blairites. Right? That, like yeah. the Blairites that were left. <clears throat> after um, after Blair, you know, drank the potion and ascended on Haley's Comet, yeah. and the ones that were left <laughs> weren't were, were they're not the best ones, you know, like the ones that can even hold like make <laughs> say a sentence, unlike me. Um, <clears throat> so good. They're always the terrible. Ones. <laughs> they're all the terrible ones. Um, I could see her giving that like um, in the lobby with Lisa. Is it Lisa Nandy said like. Actually, Corbyn supported a second referendum. He's yes. actually damned it. Was it. Is Lisa Nandy in the cabinet? I don't know. I reckon that kind of thing. Because it's a kind of... There was an assumption, of course, during the middle of the thick of it, that New Labour would just be in government forever mm-hmm. as well. I mean, that started in, like... he. Yeah. They weren't out of power until, like, two years before the the thick of it ended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I could definitely see, like, if you're, if you're envisioning that character as somebody who has come in and New Labour are just going to have... Parliament forever. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, she kind of rides along. Her husband has business interests. Yeah, he works for that, a PFI. That works for a PFI. Perfect. Enriched by New Labour, so that's mm. her tie mm. to that particular like political mm. ideology. Mm. She has no particular ideology of her own. She's a tinkerer and nudger, that kind of thing. Um, she hangs around. She doesn't quit the party mm. because she doesn't have any particular beliefs or, I imagine, career goals. She doesn't have anywhere else to go. Um, there's nowhere else for her to go. I reckon she stays and she's put. She's in cabinet. Maybe not yeah. high up, but yeah. I think she's in cabinet for Corbyn. Yeah, I could see that. You know. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Ollie. Um, Where's he? He's Seamus Mill. <laughs> in no way is he Seamus Mill. Um, hmm. No, he's the one who said Did that they should quit? go to Nando's. Yeah. Did he just um, quit? No. Does he just quit? Oh, well, God, no. I see him he going started really... unheard. <laughs> he started unheard or drugstore culture. <laughs> oh, it's drugstore culture, the one that yeah. lasted for like three months. Yeah. yeah, he started something like that. He started some like Ooh. some some bloggy thing that is just a terrible mistake and didn't work. Or he went to work with... Um, he started the other Twitter with um, Mensch. <laughs> he did something like that. I think he's in America. Yeah. Yeah. With Ooh, yeah. what's his name, David Cameron guy? Because you know David Miliband. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. He followed. He followed Dan Miller to the ends of the earth. I think mm. so. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There, again, there's nothing. And what's really horrible there. is that I really believe that he's doing well. <laughs> yeah. Like his life is he's, good. He's making he's, a lot oh, yeah. of money. He's rich as fuck. He's got. He's rich as fuck. He's probably and got he's a happy. place in New York and LA. I don't. I mean, yeah, he is happy because he's got a certain amount as of like. He he's important be. in his universe. If Corbyn, people like listen to him. If Corbyn comes in and that kind of career ladder maybe steps off, just due to mm. the natural political stuff of a new new type of leader mm. comes in, brings in his own people. Mm. Um. He feels cut off. And also, like, remember Ollie's circumstances in the show? He is shown as, like, living in a tiny flat with mm. three other politicos, two of whom are conservative yeah. PR people. Like, he can't cook for him. He's got a real student-y vibe about him. Mm. Because he's, there's that episode where he's, like, cutting up the stir-fry and stuff and mm. he can't do it, so he gets a takeaway. Mm. Um, now, His now living circumstances, I can, I can imagine if that career path is cut off, mm. he goes for the money. Yeah. Definitely. He's an advisor yeah. to tech startups. Hmm. He's a flimflam man. 
It's definitely. So a he's film completely comment. divorced from politics. Do you think? Um, ish. We'd say he's divorced from politics. He said he'd say that the tech industry is new politics because they're the thing that gets everything done. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, we don't actually have to guess uh, mm. what Ollie would do because um, Ollie uh, is Chris Addison. Hmm. Um, Chris Addison seems to have on Twitter taken on that persona and thought it was great and good oh my god um, I did not know that oh, interesting point about uh, Richard Osman tweeting that thing of clowns to the left of me jokers oh. to the right here I am patiently waiting for a witty kind centrist party to restore some sanity with you I am not joking the first reply to that is Chris Addison saying I'm making this t-shirt right now Oh my god. <laughs> we don't even need to guess. We know what Ollie would do. Oh. There's something about, like, not only did Armando Nucci, who's really, really smart, but he didn't quite realise the impact. Needed. He is. He, yeah, he, Citation yeah. needed. I mean, they're good scripts. That'll do. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. he didn't fully realise that there would be a knock on effect of what he put out into the world. Mm. So when people didn't vote, people who loved his show didn't vote. He was like, go out and vote. What's wrong with you? And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. you told us, you specifically told us for many hours of TV now that everyone's the fucking same and they're all shit. Yeah. So I think I'll stay home. Yeah. So you've got him who didn't really realise the impact of what he'd done. And then you've got Chris Addison who didn't really realise the horribleness of the character he was playing. He thought it was good. He thought he was playing a he good guy and now clever. he wants to, oh my God. I mean, maybe that is why his performance is so authentic. <laughs> not acting. Yeah. Of course, when you go in that, when Iannucci goes in that hard, like, everybody who can get embarrassed gets embarrassed, and you're left with people who literally can't get embarrassed. You're left with yeah. Trump, you're left with Boris, you're left with Nigel Farage. You're left mm. with people, because he's hollowed out any of any kind of, like, commitment to anything. And, yeah, portrayed... Ollie is a protagonist, if not mm. the hero of that, and he's absolutely not. He's a complete villain. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you hollow out politics, and then I think if you're going to say he's a good writer or a bad writer, he never left any space in the thick of it for anything else. I mean, it's why he yeah. can't continue. He sucked the air out of that show and mm. out of like that portrayal of politics so well. It's mm. airtight and horrible. Mm. and never left any room for growth so he like fucked, o fucked himself over for any more thick of it mm. but went also went off to America to yeah. make the series that's kind of a weird mashup of the thick of it and the West Wing oh god Veep Ollie's working on Veep Ollie moved into the media and he's working on <laughs> Veep with Armando Iannucci right now <laughs> who exists in the thick of it universe Okay. Yes. I mean, my brain's going to explode now because everyone's oh. moving from fictional reality Ollie's a to actual reality. But it all makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Ollie's a tulpa birthed by the nation's collective disappointment with politics. <laughs> <laughs> Sad now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah, the shit. It's, no, it's not. It's good. It's the horrible thing. Yeah. It's not shit. I know that's the thing. It does its so job very. It's it fucking does, great. It does its job very well. Funny. It injects the poison mm. into the brain very well. It it's just utterly worthless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast. You can follow me at bm bergamo and Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Holly, have you got anything you'd like to? I mean, Pimp you can't out. follow me on anything, but you can... Because I don't let my wife have a Twitter account. 
if you can catch my teen TV series called The Athena on Sky. And if you don't want to watch a series about teenage girls because you're like a grown up, although that's no excuse, um, you can also watch um, another series I worked on quite extensively, which is much more serious, which is Trapped on BBC4, which is a Scandi noir all about murder. So yeah, but I mean, I go teenage girl one, really. <laughs> it's called the Athena. It's on Sky. Watch it. No, you don't have to. Bye. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Bye.